Hello, everybody. I thought it was time it was that I should be doing a bit of a review on the budget and particularly how it applies to property and the economy at large, because obviously the economy at large does affect property. So let's get into it for the week. All right. There are 20 big winners from the 2022 budget, um, but which property markets are set to get a bit of a boost from the cash splash that we've just seen? Obviously, it's a it's an election budget, so everybody's primed for uh, for lots of spending on both sides. But let's have a look at what it actually means for property. All right, the big winners. Who are they? Well, first of all, it's infrastructure. Now, infrastructure is always a good idea because it creates jobs. It creates a lot of um, uh, buoyancy in the market uh, and it sets us up for the future, provided that infrastructure is actually going where it's needed. Now, there's $17 billion was announced in the budget to go into uh, infrastructure spending. Now, this is going into roads and rail projects right across Australia, including the Outback Way, which hasn't been talked about for some time, which is the link between Cairns and Perth. Might open up some opportunities there in uh, in both cities, uh, particularly for uh, miners and things like that, if, the, you know, if, it, if it's going to be a... Um, a decent sized route, but it also may mean for freight. So freight coming into uh, Australia may actually end up going through Cairns or vice versa. So depending on where it's coming from. The thing that I like though is water infrastructure. Now these projects are in community, uh, in regional communities and it's $6.9 billion, not enough. What we should have been doing is putting massive pipelines from all these flooding areas through to the centre of Australia where we could turn non-arable land into arable land. But anyway, that's my, only my opinion. The next thing was the Regional Accelerator Program to drive economic growth and productivity in regional areas. Only $2 billion, not really a lot of money. Uh, it, you know, it'll, it'll get lapped up pretty quickly in those regional areas because there's so much that needs to be done. One of the things that I absolutely love about America is its decentralization. Now, obviously, they've got better water courses within uh, America than we do here. And a lot of the settlements were around those water courses. Ours are not quite as large, but they could be. And again, we're talking about, you know, piping water into the centre of Australia. But what that has done is it means it has populated the whole of America, making a lot more of the land more productive. Well, you know, what are we talking about? $2 billion going into regional accelerator programs. That's going to go nowhere. So it should have been a lot larger, in my opinion. The big strategic um, uh, projects that are that are out there and programs are mainly in the um, the Northern Territory and Central Queensland and the WA Pilbara area and also the Hunter. So seven point one billion dollars over eleven years. Though, so it's going to take some time to kind of roll out there. And regional telecommunications uh, spending will will cost about one point three billion dollars. So uh, again, infrastructure is good. I can't complain about infrastructure, but what it means is where these big infrastructure projects are going on, it may create a little bit of a boost for property in those areas. What you've got to be careful of though, is how long is that boost going to last? How long is the, the employment boost going to last? How, many, how much extra people is it bringing into the area? Not just short term, but obviously in the long term, because that will have an impact in these regional areas because they're quite small. So so any amount of extra 
jobs and infrastructure going in those areas, provided it has longevity, is a good thing. Defence, look, I'm not big on, on um, you know, the politics of defence or anything else. Uh, from a property perspective, what it means is where the hubs are going to be, where um, the industry, uh, the defence industry hubs are going to be that create more employment, it's going to create population increase and it's going to create more demand for property. So that's a good thing and you can look at that, you know, where are they going, what what areas, what does it mean for uh, military, how many more military service people are going into those areas. Um, you know, Defence Force housing is probably going to have a bit of a field day. Not that I'm very keen on Defence Force housing because it really, it's a lazy investment and most of them are negatively geared when you work it all out. Uh, so it's not something I'm, you know, over the moon about. I'm not against it, but I'm not over the moon about it either. Cyber spies. Look, anything that can protect our money and our accounts and our businesses and everything else is a very good idea. So 9.9 billion over 10 years. Again, not a huge amount, but it is creating more jobs in this space. And, you know, these are jobs that weren't around 10, 15, 20 years ago. So this is a big area of, for the younger people coming through and going into jobs. Um, and, and it is necessary. I mean, we have so much attacks from overseas, you know, with all these little scammers coming in, but also, I guess, at a higher level from a government to government level, which I know nothing about. NDIS has got a bit more of a splash there. Um, uh, the spending on the National Disability Insurance Scheme has increased by $40 billion. That's a lot of money uh, over the forward uh, estimates and will overtake spending on defence in 2024-25. Now, there's a, a lot of talk in the property industry about NDIS housing. And um, there is obviously a need for it in some areas. What I've found with Defence Force housing, not Defence Force, what I've found with NDIS housing is this. It's incredibly difficult to build. You've basically got to get private financing to build the thing because none of the banks support the build. Once it's there and the tenants are in place, then uh, they're happy to, uh, you know, some of the banks, or very few of the banks, but some of the banks are happy to lend on the yield on those uh, on those properties. They are more expensive to build. So the tendency is that you overcapitalize. So that means in an area, um, particularly some of the need areas, which are often in regional areas, you're spending sometimes up to double the cost in construction uh, for your property. Now, obviously, the yield is great, but understand you've overcapitalized. It's very difficult to sell. It's very difficult to finance. Uh, so just, I guess, buyer beware. They can be great yielding. They sound great up front. The government takes forever to pay. Uh, so you're sitting with a property and it, that uh, hasn't been returning for some time before the government starts to pay. They back pay, but still. And the other thing is that it takes time to move the residents into those properties. So moving from one to another is uh, is a little bit difficult. So understand there are pitfalls, but it can be a great yielding uh, opportunity. Motorists, well, we get a short-term reprieve. We get our, our 22 cents off the excise for uh, for six months. I guess that's just really pushing it past the, uh, the election is really all that's doing. Now, obviously, the... Um, the war and the Russian invasion and of Ukraine and all the rest of it 
uh, it actually has created a lot of opportunities for Australia. And I'll talk about that in some of the subsequent um, uh, Intelligent Property Investor Masterclasses that I do because it, it is creating opportunities. Now, it's very sad to say that a war can create an abundance for one country, being Australia, but it is. But I'll talk about that another time. Uh, what we, oh, if you're uh, earning less than $126,000 a year, there's a $4.1 billion in tax cuts coming your way. And basically what it means is if you're earning less than $126,000 a year, uh, there's about 1500 bucks for a single or $3,000 for a, a couple that you'll, you'll get out of that with the tax breaks and everything that's there. Pensioners' welfare recipients, $1.5 billion. Doesn't seem like a lot of money considering the money that's being spent elsewhere. Um, and one-off payments of $250,000. Now, look, $250,000, they wish, $250. Now, look, I am not uh, keen on just one-off handouts. I think it goes nowhere. Uh, I don't think it really makes a massive difference. Uh, you know, they would be much better to actually increase the pension on the lo for the longer term. And, you know, that's, that's going to go absolutely nowhere. Small businesses, one billion. We're getting smaller and smaller here. Uh, one billion. Uh, so small businesses can claim 120% on the cost of laptops. Oh, don't know where that went. Hang on a minute. I'll get it back. Laptops, um, cloud computing, and other services to help them go digital. Uh, another 550 million will cover 120% of the cost of uh, external staff training courses. So a lot more into training. And that's really something that's gone right across the board. Again, apprentices, $2.4 uh to revamp the apprenticeship scheme. Uh, academics get a little bit, $2.2 billion uh, on five years to promote uh, commercialization of university research. That's always a good thing, provided we keep it in the country after that. And the country uh, broadband users, so 450 million. So uh, they didn't get much either going over over six years. It's uh, it's not a lot of money. It's a, not even a not even a, a splash in the pan. Parents, um, 346 million over five years. Again, not a lot there, but it's uh, to improve flexibility of parenting. Uh, leave leave for uh, work parents to share as they see fit. So for both husband and wives or whatever. Bit there for women generally. Um, I think this is just a, a vote buying exercise personally, but $1.3 billion there over six years um, to reduce, uh, well, obviously domestic violence is a, is a massive thing and it needs a lot of funding, but it needs more than that. Uh, sexual violence against women plus $107 million uh, over five years to promote women in leadership, including 37 million to support women in trades. Tourism, boy, we need some of this. Massive money going out there, 100 and, 146 million over three years to support recovering tourism industries, um, including the travel industry, travel agents and marketing. So uh, hopefully that renders some good news further down the track for us. Bit there for farmers as well, 100 million. Again, that's not going to go very far. Bit in tax breaks there to uh, to get farming uh, biodiversity stewardship and also the patent box going again, which is basically anything in the agricultural industry to, that uh, is a new innovation that can create a patent. The royalties, you're going to get some uh, tax breaks on that. 
Self-funded retirees, 50 million. We're getting less and less here for all self-funded retirees who went out there and did all the right thing to get themselves set up aren't getting very much out of this budget, I can tell you. Gas producers got the same amount as the self-funded retirees, mainly for the Northern Territory and South Australia. And I put that map in there so that you can see where the gas fields actually are in Australia. Quite a lot of them are offshore. Um, not in Queensland, but for the Northern Territory, WA and a little bit there of Victoria, um, they're, they're our main gas fields and it's going to be a bigger thing in the future. Aged care, 48.5 million, nowhere near enough. Basically, it's going into training, you know, and training people to go into that industry. They need to be paid more. That's what needs to happen. First home buyers. Now, this is going to support the bottom end of the market. So 138 uh, 0.7 million over seven years for the first home buyers. Now, the government-backed scheme uh, to help first home buyers purchase their property with only a 5% deposit and without paying mortgage lenders insurance. They're guaranteeing 10,000 of these um, every year from October, every year from October this year through to 2025. I had to get my dates right there. So um, the details haven't been, you know, completely mapped out, but it's going to support that bottom end of the market. Uh, there's a few caps on it, which will outprice some of the big cities like Sydney and Melbourne, I think, in, in a lot of, well, particularly Sydney, maybe not Melbourne. Regional home buyers has been an extension to the first home buyers uh, scheme for regional areas. Now, what this means is that the scheme will now be offered to regional buyers with slight variations. Again, the details haven't really been released. They won't be released until October after the election. Uh, people in regional areas who have already bought their first home and permanent residence will also be able to access the scheme. First homes, uh, home buyers can build or buy a new home in a regional area with a price cap to still to be finalised. So this will promote the regional areas. Now, the regional areas have had quite a significant growth rate over 2021. And uh, what I said was that I expected that to cool, not to come down and drop and all the rest of it as I've been misquoted, but just to cool a little bit. I don't think the growth in the regional areas will be as great as it has been in the past, certainly, but also as great as it is in some of the metro areas. So I think you're definitely going to see a little bit of a, a swing back to metro. This may help a little bit to keep the, you know, the younger people in the regional areas. So when you look at our deficit, that's basically what, uh, what the plan of attack is. So we, you know, we had a massive, uh, deficit there for 2020, for 2020, 2021 financial years, obviously because of COVID and all the handouts and everything else. The 21, 22, um, is significantly halved. Now that's expected to remain relatively similar basically for another 12 months and then start to reduce down uh, through to the uh, the middle of the, the 20th, 2020s. So you can see what's happening there. Unemployment's been great. I mean, we have really got on top of unemployment. We're down in the fours, um, expected maybe to even to go to the threes. We'll see what happens with that. And you can see what's happened there with our uh, national debt levels. So uh, the 2021-22 year are at 27.6% of GDP. Uh, and by the 25-26, we will be at 33.1% of GDP. So that gives you a little bit of a, a wrap up there of, of the winners and the losers, I suppose, 
from a property perspective, all in all, it was a cash flash. Um, the property market is strong. Whenever there is uh, turmoil or uncertainty in the market, everybody turns to property. So we're still in an undersupply. Um, we're still chewing through the pent-up demand caused mainly by APRA and then COVID. Uh, so it's still pretty pretty heady times ahead. Now, when we open up the borders, of course, to, in, to migration in any kind of big way, which will happen, uh, we're going to see massive pressure on Sydney and Melbourne particularly. The other cities to some extent, but mainly Sydney and Melbourne. So I'll leave you with a little bit of a, a thought-provoking thing for the week. We are today where our thoughts have brought you. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts will take you. So I challenge you to think about uh, what your thoughts actually are. You know, are they, are they positive about the future? Are they goal setting? Are you dreaming? Are you daydreaming? Are you envisioning what your future could be? Because that's what you need to do in order to start bringing in some of that, uh, that future energy of what you actually want to have in your life. Dream it, believe it, build it. So that's my message for the week. Now, one of the flow-on effects from that, of course, is to make an appointment with one of my advisors. Now, I've got a, a few appointments for this week. They're 60 minutes long. They are free, and one of my advisors will help you uh, work through what those goals, dreams, aspirations actually are and how we can help you achieve those things. So all you've got to do is go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and you can take up one of those free appointments. But make sure you write it in your diary so that uh, if you take up an appointment, you're not taking it from someone else. You're actually uh, going to turn up there and get the advantage and the benefit of talking to one of my very skilled, trained advisors. So that's it for me this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the budget wrap-up. And I'll be back again to talk to you next week. Bye for now.